if you want to grow closer to God, hear from Him, be convicted and led towards His plans for your life, then I recommend you write a sermon. I mean, this last week and a half, you don't need to preach the sermon, just, just do it. It's been a lot of fun, I'm excited to be here, and I see so many new faces, and you're all, you're all so welcome, we're delighted to have you with us, and I'm excited for what's going to happen this morning, for what God is going to do. I uh, have some news for you, and that is this, God has greater plans for your life than you are currently considering, or even aware of, and I really hope that's a statement that by the end of today you can come to know. But I will start today uh, just by chatting over the past uh, few months that our We Church has been going on. It's been really exciting. Uh, I've been seeing so much happening. This shows me that God is really stirring something up in, in the people here. And so my, my name is Duncan, as Richard said, and I am part of the core leadership team here on the south side. And I have roles in just all the general prayer stuff and um, there's lots of stuff going on in prayer. You might have experienced it here during uh, the second worship set. We have people up on the backside and they'll, they'll pray for you for anything. Out of interest, who is, who's received prayer, who's gone up for prayer, Brianna, quite a few people. Yeah, it's, it's been great. I've been loving it. I, I've got to pray for people, people who I, I know, people who I don't know, and, and just getting to come alongside them in, in that moment and uh, just see God bring healing or bring revelation to them. It's awesome, it's incredible. And uh, actually, I had a moment um, a couple of weeks ago where um, one, of the, one of the team, she felt like she had a nudge from God that she had to come, that she had to come and speak to me and, and to pray for me. Uh, and earlier on that day, we were walking to church. Kelsey, my wife, uh, basically said, Duncan, this issue, this thing that's going on, you need to go and get someone to pray for you and gave a bit of a an ultimatum, and so uh, at church, and, and actually I hadn't, hadn't gone up, hadn't asked for prayer, uh, and during the second set of worship, one of our teams, actually Angela, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, Angela uh, felt that nudge from God that she needed to come and pray for me, and, and she was bold, and she, she came up during and spoke to me, and she said, don't get through God is is asking me to pray for you, I don't really know what for, but, but I think I want to do it, and I said, yeah, yeah, I think you do need to, uh, and it was amazing, what she prayed for me was exactly what, what I'd been needing to, to be prayed for, and the words she was saying were the exact things that I needed prayed over me, it was, it was amazing, I'm, I'm thankful for, uh, for bold people in our church, definitely thankful for those people, so thank you. Uh, Angela. But I think it's incredible what prayer has been doing in our church and I want to encourage you to, to experience to go up uh, for prayer if you haven't already. Um, it feels actually a bit like what I'm reading in, in the gospel where Jesus is praying for people uh, on the street, maybe seeing healing, maybe people are, he's just revealing truth to them. Like, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think God is bringing us somewhere and and, uh, and it's, it's exciting. So please, please get involved. And it's one of the ways I think our church is doing well to really show love and, and care to one another. Uh, you might have heard about the prayer course that we've been running. Uh, so that's along with the Western Church. We've got about 
30 people attending the course each week, which by the way is like double, maybe more than double than we've ever had. We've been going for like six years with this, which is awesome. Um, it's, it's eight weeks long, a new person teaches each week. Four and a half of the people teaching previously were, were on that, and now we've come to that point where they're, where they're teaching. Uh, it is the West End, it's the South Side, it's people from other churches all coming together. We are learning to hear God's voice. Um, and, and there's people who that is brand new to, and there's people who uh, maybe know even a bit more than those who are teaching. Um, but I just want to tell you, look, there are 30 people plus people every week gathering together, learning that we actually can hear from God, hear His voice today, that we can learn that through the Bible, through dreams, pictures, and, and words, and, and we are experiencing that. And I really hope that today you can maybe experience an element of the presence of God in, in that way. But I want to just give you a little bit of a background context. I know there's a lot of new people here today, maybe for the first time, maybe some people who have been around for a few weeks, you're still finding your feet. You guys are also welcome. We love that you're here. And maybe you've been here for many years and things are familiar. Um, but for all of us, there seems to be something here going on. And I want to say there's something worth checking out. And for however long you, you find yourself here for in this church, um, I want to encourage you to check that out. See what's happening. And it's not really something that we're doing, but it's something that God seems to be doing uh, in this place and, uh, and across Glasgow as well. Um, so last week, I got a haircut, thank you, thank you, um, I'd say, for those who don't know, it's more of an extreme cut to what I'm used to, so let me paint a picture of last week, we've newly moved to the south side, to Shawlands, um, I had morning off work, I said it's time for a haircut, did a Google search, found the barbers, phoned them up, booked an appointment, I thought this is amazing, I'm actually an appointment this morning, it's all going well, so stepped out the door and started walking confident and I knew exactly what I was going to go for. So I arrived there, sat down, told the hairdresser, I wanted two back insights and a three on top. And then I paused. And then got a reaction from the barber. He managed to actually convince me, he barbered me up to a five on top, which I think uh, is probably uh, made sense in uh, respect. And maybe thinking, Duncan, why is this decision just to go really short? Does it make sense? Is it that you are preparing for the summer? And maybe this is a mid-twenties rebellion. Or maybe you just knew that you were about to preach on Sunday and you wanted to look a bit more like Brian. So <laughs> you know Brian, uh, he is follically challenged. Um, which is great, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but actually, in fact, this is the first time I've had uh, a haircut this when I was about 14 or 15. And I walked into the hairdressers with the same misplaced confidence. <laughs> and I asked for a two back and sides and a three on top. I got no counselling from the hairdresser at that time. And they did exactly what I told them. Uh, and as they were shearing it off, just the panic was setting in more and more. And what did I actually ask for here? Uh, it happened to also be the day before 
I got a picture for my young stock card. Some of you might remember those. I did try. I tried to find it, see if I could put a picture up, but I've obviously destroyed of the evidence in the past <laughs> ten years or so. Um, so why put yourself through that pain again? Um, well, actually, I remember when I did that. Whilst I wasn't feeling good about it, I got a bunch of compliments. People were genuinely saying that I, I suited having shorter hair. And there's one that really stands out. There's a guy in my church called Chris, and he really enthusiastically, he was like, he praised me on my hair. And I really remember that interaction. And I'm now hoping, Mum, that you didn't put him up to that. And if you did, don't say anything. <laughs> Sermon illustration. Um, but that was with me. So fast forward to last week. And as I was walking out, full of confidence, it was actually because I was remembering that. I remember the last time I got this, people were saying, you actually see this, this action is good, this is part of who you are. Um, and that was good. Uh, post haircut, when I came home, Kelsey, not so encouraging. <laughs> not so encouraging, but uh, I think she's come round to it. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to leave that there for a bit, and uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that verse uh, 13 to to 16, and it's going to be on the the screen as well. If you're expecting more of a a link or a segue from the haircut story, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pray before we we read. So, uh, let's do that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. God, would you help us understand um, the incredible depths of your words and what we are going to learn about today. And would you move in our hearts so that we are ready to receive this, this great truth and see you move in our lives and, and for your glory, Lord. And praise in your name. Amen. Amen. So as I was preparing for this message, I had some things in mind and, and then when I read these few verses, it was almost like, a, oh no, you know, this is actually what I meant to, to be speaking on. So that's where it's come from. So I'm going to read this out from verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, but rather puts it on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Some good words there. And I have three short points on this. Um, a bit of context, these verses land in the Sermon on the Mount, which is potentially one of Jesus' most famous uh, sermons and probably one of his first, and he was speaking this to his disciples. Um, before he says these few verses, um, he's talking about something else which is called the Beatitudes. Um, if you ever heard of them, it's a bunch of sayings, they're incredible. They say such things as, the poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. Um, Here, Jesus is taking the social 
um, the power status of maybe the religious elite and taught people and just the religion as a whole. And he was flipping it around. He was saying the people who we don't really consider to be great are actually blessed. And there's so much that we could say on that. Um, also, just after these verses, Jesus said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Which again, I think is maybe a challenge on the mindset of the people who would have been listening to him. They had a certain expectation of what Jesus was going to do as the Messiah and as the Savior. And actually, Jesus was challenging that too. So you have, first off, a challenge to like the culture, and then you have a challenge to people's hopes and expectations and mindset. And sandwiched in between that is a challenge which I think is a very personal one to that identity of the disciples of Jesus. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And in reference to the salt of the earth comment, Jesus goes on to say, that for salt to lose its taste is to make it pointless. Meaning, the point of salt is obviously uh, its taste. And um, now, first century Jew, you would, they would use salt to flavor food, but also to preserve meat. They don't have a fridge, it's hot there, that makes sense. Um, and one of the reasons salt will be used is it is stable, you know, and it does give flavor and it does preserve meat. That's actually in its nature, it was used just because of what it is. Um, Jesus goes on to say, You're the light of the world to disciples, and nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Jesus making it plainly obvious that when light is around, light lights up the darkness. Um, you can't get you can't not it can't not light up the darkness. And he's even saying that for that to happen, it actually needs to be put a basket on top of it, and even then like, it's still giving a, a bit of light. But basically Jesus he seems to be making a really simple point. You know, almost one that's like, it would be stupid to do that. It would be stupid to put it under a basket. He also throws in the city on a hill cannot be hidden. And if you really read this, this stuff, it has to lead you to think that Jesus is driving home an obvious point about the nature of things and, and therefore the purpose. And I think here's why Jesus is telling his disciples, that regardless of what they think of themselves or how capable they are in following him, they are chosen people of God. And they are followers of Jesus. And if you are chosen, then it actually changes something in your nature and therefore your purpose. Jesus says you are, not you should be. And that's the first point of your, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus says you are, not you should be. And God has greater plans for your life than I think you're currently considering or even aware of. Um, and for some of you, that first point about your own nature, it might be mind-blowing. Um, I even feel I want to speak to a lie that might come up when you're reading this. Um, I don't think Jesus is trying to get us to worry about if we are becoming unsalty or we are losing our salvation, or if we're falling away beyond repair, or if our works are good enough. We know that 
nothing's too big for God. So how can we be beyond repair? Uh, and the point is, salt is salty. And light gives light. And so when we have given our life to Jesus, we have a new nature. And that, it just is what it is. There's difficulties, but actually there is something deeply and truly found in that. And maybe that might be a burden relieved for some of you already. What are the consequences of that, though? Because if you look at Jesus, he's saying some pretty incredible things to his disciples here. I think it was all. I'll just say us now. This is the disciples, but this is for us now too. So I'm going to say us as the disciples. Jesus is calling us the light of the world. And this is the title he gives himself. It almost sounds like blasphemy to me in a way like that, that we could be equated to something that Jesus is. But he's saying that. He is telling them that they are something, not they have to try and be something. And it turns out that that's something he is telling them to be, is that when we're followers of Jesus, we are like Jesus. That he is doing something that we as followers of Jesus are also made, empowered, and natured, if that's really a word, um, to do. Peter, in one of his letters, gives us some more understanding. It's in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you might proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here again we see that in following Jesus we have a new nature. Um, once you were not a people, and now we are a people, and not just any people, a royal priesthood. And if you are royalty, then there comes with that certain uh, powers and privileges, ones that should enable you to lead the nation, to bring prosperity and union to that place for the good of the kingdom and the glory of the king. And this is significant because. I don't think we often see this royal status in ourselves or in the church. don't think that's what we call ourselves. Um, and so the next point is going to be this. As a follower of Jesus, your nature is royalty. And we know we've been called sons and daughters of God. Children of God. And I've always been pretty tame with haircuts. Yeah, we're back on that. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's down to image or or actually worrying about if I get a haircut, is it actually going to be true to, to my personality and character? That might sound a bit lame, but I, I don't know if you find it, but sometimes someone comes in and they get a new haircut or they dye their hair with extreme colour. I just look at them and like, I mean, I don't think that's, that's really you. That's not really your personality. I don't think... It's going to shoot. And then, <laughs> hopefully, quickly, I repent <laughs> and realize actually, if that's what you want to do, that's, that is great. But after I got that haircut, that one person telling me enthusiastically that I suited it was powerful. It began me to think that actually, even though I think maybe, maybe I do suit this, maybe I don't think my personality, actually, maybe I, maybe I do suit this. 
And um, I remembered it, and, and this time around I wanted to give it another shot. By the way, I got a great response at work. Many compliments, people saying I genuinely suited it. Some people maybe even a bit scared of me, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but I do believe that God, He really does have greater plans for your life than you're currently considering or even aware of, maybe more, more than just a haircut. And even those actually who I think are believing a lot of what God has said and a lot of the promises, I think there's more than you're even believing or considered yet. That's how big our God is. I think there is something though in hearing the truth about who you are from someone that can spark a change or can leave a lasting impression. And if every follower of Jesus is royalty, that's what you think of this, there's a lot of power in this room. That if we are really children of God, there's a lot of power in this room. And we're going to spend some time in a few moments allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, be that voice, I hope to awaken some of that maybe dormant potential that's in us, that's waiting, that God is waiting to move in. Um, our last point of this is, is simple, is that this is all for the glory of God. Now Jesus, he tells us who we are so that we live our life in response to that, that we live because of that. And there are lives become a way for people to see God and to praise Him. That's what it said in, in that verse in the Sermon on the Mount, and also from Peter's words that it is for the glory of God. I was listening to Brian's sermon. Uh, he did a couple weeks on Saul titled Serving Whom. If you have not heard any, any of that series at all, I really recommend you to listen to that one. Um, there's one bit I was really thinking about. He challenged us really, I mean, the sermon, a lot of it was around, am I serving God in this, or am I really serving myself? And we see that Saul changed over from serving God really to himself. Um, but Brian challenged us to do like a heart check, and to really challenge ourselves, and, and I think that's what I want us to do here, because like Jesus is telling us our true identity in him, our new nature, and our great purpose that comes with that, that is amazing. But if we begin to lose track that it is actually all for God's glory and not really, not fully just for our benefit, then I think we can start to become a bit self-entitled, if I can say that, and maybe wanting to be poured into, never really pouring out, wanting to pour the glory and blessings of God. Um, I don't know if we can say that, but I can say that up here. And that's not, a, that's not condemnation. I think that's actually just not what this is about. It is less than what God wants for us. And I think it's usually subtle and small. But I, I do think that if we rhythmically bring ourselves before God and heart check with a, a question that I think is, God, am I serving you or am I serving myself? If we come all our days with that question, rhythmically coming back to God, then I imagine that you will stay close to God, His path for your life, and do some uh, amazing things. I imagine because obviously I haven't done that on my days. Um, and 
And that, that's the final note, which I feel is more of a challenge, is our only really challenge for this week. And that note is, who am I serving, God or myself? And I want to encourage you, uh, at some point, take some time, ask that question, wait, allow God to, to reveal to you, and then maybe adjust based on that. Um, I think it's time for the followers of Jesus to discover who they really are, to stop them finding themselves by the fear and doubt of this world. And I'm thinking, what would Glasgow look like in one or two years if followers of Jesus really believe that God has greater plans for life than they have considered? But Duncan, what are these greater plans for our life that you're talking about? And I think that's part of the journey, and that's where we're going, hopefully together. Um, but when we look at Jesus, we know where he started. And he knew he was the light of the world from his relationship to the Father. Before he preached this, he was baptized. God publicly affirmed him, saying, you are my son. He went out into the desert for testing 40 days, 40 nights. And then he came back. He spent time with God. He knew who he was. And that's where he found his identity. And he rooted it from there. There are so many truths about who you are and God's plans for you in the Word of God. And I recommend that if you're here, if you plan to stick around, join a Bible read-through group, uh, meet with people, study it, uh, and find that out. We can also find this out in times of prayer and in waiting uh, and in listening. Uh, and maybe we can hear that voice encouraging, being enthusiastic and telling us the truth about ourselves that might actually lead to change in our life. More than haircut, but a voice, the voice of God in our life to change our environment. Um, and I believe this is for us as followers of God, and I've talked lots about if you are a follower of God, um, and if you're not, there's going to be moments for you to respond later on, but also I want to say, look at this. Does this seem right? Does this seem good? Is this something you want to? Um, but I'm going to invite the band up. Um, they're going to come and.